Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one, Few and Far Between, written by No Good ID Names. Crack! Keep your guard up, Mr. Opal. Contact, a huge, broad-shouldered warform stood a respectful distance from where he had knocked his young charge to the ground. The cluster of barbed horns on his head formed a complex crest, which bobbed and rearranged in a variety of patterns to subconsciously display mood and temperament. Right now, it was bowing in civility, but minute twitches hinted at frustration. Try again, he said. Opal scrambled to his feet. His crest horns were not fully developed, and now they hung limp, a sure sign of boredom and inattention. He made a half-hearted charge at Contact. Contact blocked the thrust and whacked Opal across the chitin plates of his back, sending him sprawling. Guard up, Opal. That's Master Opal to you, slave. Up the figure, striding into the room, its high form far thinner and shorter than the weapons master, eyed contact with a regal distaste. He is from the Perud Prime of the Mkita clan. Someday, first father, and he deserves your respect. Yes, sir, muttered Gontak. Opal, your combat lessons have run late, said the high form. Run along to your tutor. Yes, sixth father said Opal. He leapt up, horns nodding into a childish delight. He threw down his staff, scampering off excitedly. Sixth father sighed. He was merely the sixth brother in his brood, and of no position to debate with the decisions of his olders and betters. But it seemed questionable that the education of his clan's sole heir rested in the hands of an alien slave. Opal ran along the halls at breakneck pace, dodged maids, sped through the kitchen, skipped down the flights of stairs, lower and lower down the enormous tower that made up the bulk of the Kutuk clan's urban estate. Firestall paint and polished chrome gave way to steel, which in turn gave way to orange terracotta. At least they reached a wholly unremarkable door and began knocking furiously. Squishy, he called out, I'm here for my lesson. The door opened to reveal his tutor. Master Opal, he said, making a short bow. It is a pleasure to be seeing you on this fine day. Please come in. Opal entered. Opal's mother had laid no other eggs in his brood, an unusual occurrence in his species, and she doted on him. He had a room filled with rare and expensive toys from across the Brindican rings. He had a room lined wall to wall with strange exotic pets. Every night he slept on a bed large enough to fit twelve, and a room big enough to fit eight such beds. Squishy's quarters were neat and cramped. Shelves of worn books covered one wall, a crude and a blackboard covered the other. An old, beaten-up writing desk sat in the corner, a spindly table and a threadbare rug, and a pair of chairs were the only furnishings. It was Opal's favorite room. You have finished the reading that I've given you, 
Squishy asked, pulling out a chair from his pupil. Oval squirmed up to the seat. It was strangely fashioned, Squishy having made it himself to suit his alien frame. But by now, Owl could usually sit in a comfortable fashion. I did, he said, but I have a question about the planets. How come it says they're named after animals, but none of them are? The tutor's face lit up. A good question, he said. The answer, Master Opal, is being that they are indeed named after animals, but not in the language that we are now speaking. They were named by a much older civilization, who were the first to identify all twelve planets in the solar system, and who also spoke a very different language than ours. Then why not just call them by the names we have now? It seems simpler. That is a much more difficult question, said Squishy, a question that lacks a clear answer. The closest reasoning to an answer is a being that many people do not like changing what they've known for a long time. And also, that using old names makes many people feel as if it is more important. For instance, on my own species' planet of origin, the planets are named after the gods worshipped by a culture that had discovered them. I guess that makes sense, said Opal. Squishy smiled. Very good, he said. Now let us begin on Chapter 7. They had bought Squishy three years ago at the slave markets. Third father was in need of a new house slave and deigned to descend from the Kitta clan estate in teeming streets below, arm in arm with mother. He deflected the pressing, insistent merchants peddling low work forms and glanced over the hulking war forms sold by scarred, grizzled dealers. And the Grand Zoo were slaves of all species, of varieties were arrayed. He inspected Guntark's, hard-working but stubborn and willful, Telepin, easily controlled but flighty, and Prorovo, a docile and incapable of nearly any completable task, when Mother tugged upon his arms. A creature was standing placidly in the corner, a species beyond Third Father's experience, a sign on his chest next to an astonishingly low price, read simply, Teacher. Of course, once Mother had seen that, she had just had to have the slave. There were precious little visitors to the Brindican rings, and few even of them were educated. Mother insisted that a precious brood prime child have a broad and wide as education as possible, and the strange creature could clearly expand her son's horizons. Third father was skeptical, but a few minutes of conversation revealed the thing to be fluent in six languages, well-versed in the scientists, and impeccably polite, and again, remarkably cheap. This likely stemmed from the unappealing physique. The teacher-creature towered over third father, almost a height of a war form, but was too thin and scrawny to be capable of any hard labor. Its head was completely denuded of horns, and instead coated along with the top of the fine black hair. Its skin had no cast color, being a reddish-brown or baked clay. And of course, it had no hard spots whatsoever, just soft flesh without any chitinous plates. They had bought him and brought him home, whereupon Opal had been taken one look at the soft alien and immediately dubbed him Squishy. And that was Squinchy, hairy like a rat, naked like a frog. Within two weeks, he was Opal's favorite tutor. Squishy, Opal beat the door. I need to ask you something. 
He heard frantic motion from within. After a minute or so, Squishy pulled the door open. Rather than his usual meticulous attire, he wore a loose robe made of some fluffed material. His face was speckled with sweat. When Squishy was first being purchased, Opal was fascinated with the way water erupted from the tutor's skin in hot seasons. Squishy had explained that his species' method of cooling during heat and exertion. Indeed, on days when the sun beat down harshly, when masters and slaves alike lay torpid in the shade, Squishy could be found out and about, cheerfully attending his duties with no sign of discomfort. Squishy took a moment to speak, his chest heaving, as if opening the door with some gargantuan effort. Master Opal, he said when he had caught his breath, my sincere apologies. I was not expecting our lesson for several hours. Please come in. What were you doing? said Opal, his curiosity squashing his urgent mission. The room had been rearranged, the desk was pushed against the wall, and the table and chairs moved from the bedroom to clear a wide space in the middle of the room. And what is that? He pointed at a bizarre piece of furniture at the edge of the clearing. It looked almost like a coat rack, but with a thick center pole, and three arms jutting out in odd positions. A fourth arm stuck out and bent supplied towards the ground. Squishy coughed. That young master is a, um... He paused for a fraction of a second. My dancing partner. Your dancing partner? Opal asked, bewildered. It's a log. Well, yes, uh, I've not been able to find a suitable dancing partner, you see, said Squishy. He seemed almost embarrassed. Humans are not common travelers. The Brendic anatomy proves too inflexible for proper movements. This dummy is useful for my purposes. Can you show me? asked Opal. Again, a fractional pause. I apologize, Master Opal, said Squishy, but it would likely be of no interest to you. I am badly out of practice and fear that I would not be able to give the dodge justice. Oh, Opal said, disappointed. I've never seen a human dance, Squishy smiled. Perhaps someday, he said, when I am more confident in my ability. In the meantime, I believe you had a question for me. Oh, yes, Opal said. I forgot. Mother told me the whole planet spins around really fast and all the time. But if that's true, why don't we go flying off? Ah, said Squishy, nodding sagely. A perplexing problem. Squishy had no crest, but Opal had realized long ago that his race showed emotion through the position of the facial features. He had made a long study of his tutor's face until he could read the alien's moods with a comfortable ease. Pleasure and enjoyment, the mouth curled upwards, and Opal asked an interesting question, or when the housekeeper told him a particularly droll joke. Respect and obedience, or was it preoccupation? The eyes stared straight ahead, when first father had deigned to address the house slaves. Disappointment and severity lines above the eyes, mouth curved downwards. When he was down three hands and a weekly night of cards, he played with the cook and the gardener and Guntok. And, of course, his default expression, a mouth straight, a hint of a smile, polite, mild amusement, as if he could see the joke that no one else could. Why haven't you ever told me a human war story, Squishy? Opal said, idly swishing a stick about like it was a sword. He had begun to hit the age when boys became obsessed with glorious battle, and his combat lessons with Guntok had filled him with reckless energy. His tutor paused and stretched to pluck the day's lessons from the shelf. 
All stories, he said. I am begging your pardon, Master Opal, but I did not think them worthy of telling. What do you mean, not worthy? Opal said. Do humans lose a lot? I bet they lose a lot. Is that why you don't want to tell me any? It is not a shame of losing battles, Master, Squishy said. Certainly my species has won and lost its fair share of wars, the latest of which was resulted in my delivery into your service. Ah, the reasoning for my reluctance is that I do not find such stories appealing. You should hear one from Guntok's stories, then, said Opal. He told me when he felt the McCrick clan on the overflow. He showed me the great big scar on his stomach. He said he killed seventeen war forms and never got a scratch. He pulled himself off his seat and began hopping around the room, fencing invisible enemies with his stick. He imagined legions of war-forms falling beneath his sword, and their lasers skidding off this mighty power shield. His armies were driving the enemy back to the river. They were chanting his name. Abruptly, the stick was yanked back, and with a yelp, Opal fell back and smacked against the floor. He looked up to see Squishy peering down at him, holding the stick. And did Guntak tell you the seventeen widows who cried of their lost husbands, he said, the seventeen brood crying for the lost fathers. He still wore a perpetual expression of mild amusement, but there was suddenly an edge to his voice. The hundreds of McCrick soldiers who died screaming to protect their master's property. The hundreds of fellow Kittick soldiers who died screaming that your first father might acquire a few hundred square clicks of land. Opal. Wide-eyed scrambled to his feet. I, 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 no. Did you perhaps imagine yourself as their slayer? Said Squishy. Did the possibility not cross your mind for a single moment that you might be the one slain? That a beam overwhelms your defenses for one unfortunate instance or a blade slips past your guard. An amused expression was gone. In its place was not anger, but a deep, terrible seriousness that you might be pinned to the ground under the bodies of a friend and foe, suffocating and helpless, while the war forms climb over the pile of the stinking corpses to butcher you. That, 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 that would never happen, stammered Opal, though thoroughly terrified. The war forms are forbidden from attacking high forms. Oh, and that is better, is it, said our Squishy, to kill with abandon, knowing that no one will dare raise a hand against you. Slaves bending their necks to your blade for fear of what their families would suffer if they resisted. Is this what passes for glorious combat in the Bridican rings? He threw the stick with a rich tish of disgust and turned to face his books, as if Opal was not even in the room. Anger is a time-honored method of clearing fear from the spirit. As his shock faded, Opal was suddenly flooded with outrage. How dare a mere slave speak to him, a brood prime of the Critic clan? And what do you know about honor? He burst out venomously. Gontak teaches me how to fight and be brave. Are you teaching me how to be a coward? Squishy took a deep breath, still facing the wall. That is not what I'm teaching you, Opal, he said. He turned, his face was still serious. There are indeed moments when bravery is needed, when violence is necessary, but they are few and far between, and should never be sought after, and none of them are stories worth telling. You think my ancestors' stories aren't worth telling, cried Opal, righteous fury spurring him on. You're just a slave. I'm the sole brood prime of the Kittick clan, heir to this proud dynasty. 
You stand there and insult your master. He had expected fear, or obsidience, or anger in return. What he did not expect in return was Squishy's habitual amusement. Yet in an instant, the brooding seriousness had vanished to be replaced with that wry smile. Quite articulate when your pride is wounded, it seems, he said. I should remember to jab it at more writing exercises. He sat down at the desk chair, crossed his legs and smoothed his robes, all as if he was conducting an ordinary lesson. Insulting, you say? Perhaps. But it is a poor teacher that cannot speak the truth to see to his pupils. Is the truth an insult to your clan, Opal? Do not mock me, slave, Opal spat out. I could have you beaten. I could have you sold to an asteroid mines. He needed something, anything to wipe that smirk off a squishy's face. Tell anyone a word of what you said today and you'd be hung for treason. He stood with a shaking finger pointed at his teacher. Squishy's face changed not a bit. Are you going to? I... Opal stopped. His rage flagged. Suddenly, he saw himself standing there, not as a powerful master disciplining a defiant slave, but as a stupid boy threatening his friend with pain and death. No. Worse than that, an unruly child throwing a tantrum at his teacher. His finger dropped and he hung his head. No, he said. His cheeks burned with shame and sick humiliation. I... I'm sorry, Squishy. Squishy's expression softened. I accept your apology, Opal, he said, and I must apologize myself for losing my temper. Do you accept my apology? I, uh, I do. Thank you, Master Opal, and now that we both are treating each other with the respect that we deserve, I would like it very much when we are meeting for lessons that you address me as teacher, if that is an acceptable proposal. Yes, teacher. Very good. Let us now discuss chapter 7, please. Teacher, Opal said, putting down his pen, is there anything bad happening right now? Squishy seemed to pause carefully before answering, Why would you think that, Master Opal? It was a high summer now, it was just on the verge of debilitating, but deep within Critic's tower base, Squishy's room were dark and cool. Everyone has been acting strangely, said Opal. First father and second father argue all the time, and third father just stays in his room all day. Mother has been crying, I've heard her, and none of them have left the house in weeks. His teacher steepled his fingers, a human expression of surprised dexterity. Opal knew that it meant that he was struggling to find what to say. It is certainly nothing for you to be worrying of, Master Opal, he said. Adults have their moments of conflict and argument, and of course the heat is keeping all of us indoors. It is not just the heat, teacher, Opal cried. It's everyone. I've been to the kitchens, and none of the servants will talk to me. They just stare through me like I don't exist. I had combat lessons with Kuntak today, and the way he looked at me. I didn't like it, he swallowed. It scared me. Everyone is strange, and I'm not allowed to go outside the tower, and no one will tell me why. He stared desperately at Squishy. Please, don't lie to me, teacher. You're the only one who's even bothered to answer me at all. What's going on? He halted, confused and lonely and a little bit embarrassed at his outburst. Squishy was looking at him, fingers still crisscrossed, wearing a grave expression that he had not seen since their only real argument several months prior. Very well, Opal, he said finally. I will not lie to you, although I would rather not burden a boy of your age with truths such as these. He sighed. There has been 
unrest. In the conversations of the servants of late, as I understand it, uprisings have occurred in several clan cities. He paused. Bloody uprisings. Opal gaped. Do you think that it might happen here? Assuredly not, young master, but even so, it has put all members of the house on edge, and it is not something to be easily explained to a child. I would suggest we put it out of our minds and return to our lesson. The air shattered and concussive wave of sound was forced to strike the two of them, sending them flying against the wall. When his tumble finished and Opal lay stunned, seeing the building rock and shake under the grasp of some terrifying blow. As the rumbling died away, and there were screams beyond the door, screams of terror, and yelling, but the yelling was not a cry to maintain order or directions. These shouts were angry, as if they became louder, the terrified screams seemed to only rise in volume. Teacher, he said, he peered over the upturned table and saw Squishy standing before the entrance way, tensed as if the door itself was about to attack. Stay behind the table. Squishy snapped. Opal ducked quickly back down. They stayed that way for minutes, listening to the shouts indistinctly filtered through the door, while more and more screams were cut short. After what felt like an age, the door was yanked open. Behind it stood Hondo, the cook, and Bodal, the gardener, and Gontak behind them. The crests were fled in full combat pose. All were armed. Bodal had a machete, Honda a long square cleaver, and Guntok held his three war knives, one curved slicing blade, and a thin stabber, one heavy chopping knife. Every blade dripped with thick blue blood. Squishy untensed a fraction as he saw them. They did as well, but Opal noticed their crests remained unchanged. Greetings, Hondo, Bodal, and Guntak, his tutor said. What is happening, please? The revolution has come, Squishy, Bodal said. Across the city, work forms and war forms have thrown off their chains. The visiting vengeance on our masters. The first mother is dead. We are slaves no longer. Opal shrank back in horror behind the table. Beyond the trio, he saw the body of Eighth Father draped across the tiles in a pool of cobalt blood. He couldn't see his head. Squishy smiled lightly, but his eyes were cold. "'Congratulations, my friends,' he said. "'I am happy for you.' There was a long pause, all the friends standing motionless. The three moved, crest flared, squishy, with a smile that was not a smile. "'We are here for the child, squishy,' said Guntak finally. "'Move aside.' Squishy did not. "'The boy is innocent,' he said. "'He's a high form,' said Hondo. "'He's tainted. "'Even the young ones will seek to oppress us again "'if we give them the chance. "'It's in their genes. "'Now move aside.' "'Again, the human did not move. Four thousand years of slavery and no torment "'is a terrible burden to carry,' he said. "'But we would not be people "'if we could not make our own choices.' "'He glanced back towards Opal, "'gowering against the wall.' This is not a master, or a highborn, or an infective evil. This is a child. Will the first act of free people be to murder the innocent? All of them tensed, their crests rattled and thrummed with rage. Hondo stepped forward. Hell slave, he seized. I should have known where your loyalties lie. You will take their side, even now. Opal sighed. Certainly, Squishy said, still smiling. How glorious it must be to make war upon children. 
Honda bellowed and swung his great cleaver at Squishy. The human moved like water. He caught the cook's arm and ducked under the blow and came up behind Hondo, still holding the cleaver arm now bent at an awkward angle. He pulled upwards, groaning with pain. The cook was forced downwards, with the other arms clawed frantically behind him, but not to bend appropriately to reach the tutor. Squishy gave a powerful wrench on the arm as he struck with his other hand on the elbow joint. There was a staccato beat of meaty cracks as Hondo's arm snapped in two places. The cook shrieked shrilly and collapsed to the ground, clutching his shattered arm. It all took place in five seconds. Startled, but no less enraged, Bodell came forward and swept his machete towards Squishy's head. In the long stretch time of adrenaline, Opal realized exactly what had befallen its father. Once again, the human became a force of flowing motion. He leaned back, unnaturally back farther than the Brindican could lean, and the blade swung an inch above his head. He came up before Bodal could recover and kicked savagely at the gardener's knee, which blew out on the side with another sickening crack. Bodal fell sideways, hissing curses through his mandibles, and swung at the human again. This time, Squishy stepped inwards, turning away from Bodal to catch the gardener's upper arm with his shoulder, before seizing the machete's hand when both hands stretched down. Once again, a crack of the elbow joint stretched to its limits, gang gave. Squishy grabbed the machete from the limp fingers and turned to grasp the gardener's head with his free hand, smashing it into the wall in the same motion. A wet crunch, and Bodal slumped unconscious to the ground. This took about eight seconds. Gasping, the tutor straightened up the tangle of limbs, machete in hand, and turned to the end of the hallway. Guntok stood there, shocked. His knives were lowered, his crest had sunken, twitching now with a stunned, surprised, and uh, perhaps a touch of fear. But he looked at Opal, peering at the upturned table, and he looked at Squishy, panting and pouring sweat. And back to Opal, and now his crest was up, his knives were raised, and his soft, pampering thing was standing between the blooded war form and his vengeance. He took a step forward. Squishy pointed the machete at Gontak. Do not try it, my friend, he said sadly, but there was steel in his voice. Please. Guntak snarled and charged. An instant later, the human was charging too. Opal came out from the table and moved to the doorway, past the fetal, whimpering cook and the unconscious gardener. I could see Squishy and Guntok in the middle of the hallway. The warrior and the tutor were locked together, motionless, tangled in desperate embrace. Blood trickled from them, a mixing with red, dark liquid swirling together on the floor. Opal climbed over the work form's limbs to reach them. He put a tentative hand on his tutor's back. Teacher, he asked. Squishy? The tangle shifted and he heard the squishy groan. The human pulled himself free of Guntok with difficulty. The two war-forms' knives were embedded in his flesh, and as they came free the strange red fluid flowing from Squishy's wounds shone short pulses. Opal realized that it was human blood and looked away for a moment, nauseated. Guntok stared at nothing, breathing raggedly. The machete was stuck deep in a thin gap between the chitinous plates in his belly and his chest. As Squishy pulled it loose, the war form's legs suddenly began twitching furiously, thrashing about and stirring up a pool of blood before slowly and finally stopping as his body collapsed. 
Squishy found a pillar to sit against. His hands were jammed into the stab wounds. His eyes were screwed shut in pain. There is a small bag with a red cross under my bed, Opal, he said. Please get it for me. Yes, teacher, said Opal. He scurried frantically to the bedroom and found it, a black leather bag with a large cross and neat red paint. He returned. Squishy took the bag and pulled a number of strange items from it. As the tutor cleaned his wounds, Opal steeled his nerve. Teacher, he asked, how? How did you find like that? How did you learn? I, uh, I was not always a teacher, Opal. See it, Squishy. He pinched the edges of the wound cut and pressed a device against it. There was a chunk, and the device moved to reveal the metal staple in his skin, holding the cut together. For a very long time in my life, I did many things that I wish I had not. Chunk. And when it was over, I decided that I would never be that person again. Chunk. And I staggered to his feet, using Opal for support. We must be moving quickly now, Opal. He said, there will be much danger in this time ahead. Yes, teacher, Opal hesitated. Squishy, thank you for saving me. As far as gratitude went, the sentence seemed completely inadequate. Squishy smiled despite the pain. Few and far between, Opal, he said. We can only be hoping that there is no stories told of us. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode, and I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.